Welcome to our Harvest Men of Valor podcast. This is Pastor Elijah. I hope all of you are enjoying your Christmas season as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And see, without the birth of Christ, there would be no life of Christ. Without the life of Christ, there would be no death of Christ. Without the death of Christ, there would be no sacrifice sufficient for our sins. And again, because Jesus came into the world and lived a life worthy of eternal life, not only was he able to die in our place, but he rose again. So we could simply say, if Jesus was not born, we could not be born again. Well, today, I'm going to answer the question, should a Christian celebrate the birth of our Savior in a message I've titled, Unapologetic Christmas? And this title is a play on words. It's not a contradiction. And what I'm going to present here is an apology for Christmas. And it's not in a sense that I'm saying sorry or apologizing for Christmas in that way, but I'm using the defense definition of the word apology. So basically, I'm going to give a defense of Christmas so you can unapologetically celebrate it this year and years to come with confidence. And I love Christmas time. I love the whole season. And I would literally move to a place where the entire town is decorated for Christmas, where everyone participates, and where everywhere I looked, I saw Christmas trees, ornaments, gifts, and where everyone embraced the Christmas season. And I know that we need to make sure that Jesus is the reason for the season, and that commercialism and consumerism has taken over Christmas, and that a lot of people make Christmas about themselves. And because of that, a lot of people around Christmas time, they get disappointed when they don't get what they want, or they become depressed because they don't have the money to give their friends and family anything. If I have any gripes about Christmas, it's not so much about Christmas in and of itself. As I stated earlier, Jesus is the reason for the season, but it's because we commercialize it. And to me, the reason why we as Christians need to celebrate it is because we need to redeem it. We need to take Christmas back to its origin. Now, this is where the issue lies, because every year as we celebrate Christmas, the Christmas celebration and season becomes louder. So does the screams of those who claim that it's not a Christian holiday but it's rooted in paganism. I know that you've all heard this. So the question is, should we celebrate Christmas and is it rooted in paganism? Well, I'm gonna give a defense for Christmas and show you that Christmas is not rooted in paganism, but it's rooted in Christian tradition and it's also worth celebrating. So let's get into this. John 1:14. it says, the word became flesh and made a dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit is for, referred to as the Spirit of truth. And John 14, 6, Jesus refers to himself as the way, the truth, and the life. Titus 1, 2 says, God cannot lie. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And what I'm getting at is God is a God of truth, and we are the people of the truth. And matter of fact, the first thing the serpent in the garden attacked was the truth of God's word. He caused Eve to question his truth. Yet we as believers are not to accept lies, but to teach truth, and ultimately it's the truth of God's word. But as many theologians have stated before, God is a God of truth, therefore all truth belongs to God. So we as believers ought to believe in true things, not things made up, and even worse, condemn people on the basis of things that are lies. In 1 Timothy 1, 3-4, it says, As I urge you, when I went into Macedonia, and this is Paul talking to Timothy about how the church should be ran, it says, Remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, Paul is telling them to teach true doctrine and not cause division over nonsense. 
So what does this have to do with Christmas is probably what you're wondering. Well, again, there are many Christians who have good intentions, but there are some who are just legalistic that keep beating up the body of Christ over these false claims that we are celebrating a pagan holiday, and they're causing division in the church. But even if Christmas was some sort of redeemed pagan festival, God has redeemed many things, and the most pagan, ungodly thing redeemed by God is you and me and everyone else who puts their trust in the finished works of Christ. And even though that is a true principle, it's not even necessary to justify celebrating Christmas because Christmas is not a pagan holiday. And I'm going to take on four of the most popular claims about Christmas having a pagan origin. And before we jump into those claims, a good friend of mine named Lenny Esposito, who spent over an hour on this topic in a video titled, Is Christmas Really a Pagan Holiday? He said this, Whenever someone makes a claim about something, the first question we should ask is, says who? And the reason why we ask this question is because most people will make a claim based off something they heard or an article that they read that quotes an article, that quotes a book, that quotes a person who never did any real scholarship or study on the subject. So when we ask the question says who, the claim should point us to an original source. And that's how we find truth. And the first claim that we're going to tackle is, number one, Christmas was used to cover up some pagan holiday. And my response, obviously, is, says who? And there's not one article that looks at an original source to make this claim. They say that Constantine wanted to Christianize the pagan holidays to cover up celebrations like Saturnalia, which is the festival of the god Saturn, which was on December 17th, or Sol Invictus, the unconquerable sun god, which is tied to the winter solstice, which is December 21st, the shortest day of the year. And because Augustine made a claim in the early 1400s that we will worship the maker of the sun versus the sun, People think that Christianity tried to replace the pagan holidays. But since we're talking about the origins of Christmas, is it that the Christians just happened to pick the one day that didn't land on the pagan holiday? Because none of these celebrations were on the 25th until Sol Invictus was moved to the 25th, centuries after Christians were already celebrating the birth of Christ. And there's a scholar by the name of T.C. Schmidt looking at the primary sources meaning the original sources where the actual information comes from, concluded that Christians celebrated the birth of Jesus long before Christians were allowed to even openly worship. And as early as 82 AD, which is hundreds of years before Constantine. So the truth is Christians celebrated the birth of Christ first. So if anyone borrowed, it would be the pagans borrowed from Christianity. So even with this short list of evidence, you can see the claim that Christmas was used to cover up some pagan holidays is false, considering they celebrated Christmas long before Christianity was even legal. And that brings me to the second claim, which is tied to the first, which is we know Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, which is proof why they moved it to overtake the pagans. So maybe the Christians were celebrating Christmas, but Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, so they moved it to that date to cover up all these other holidays. And the interesting thing is they say that Jesus had to be born in the spring because the shepherds were out in the field, which means it was probably warm. And yeah, it was warm. They had to be warm for them to be out there. So they assumed that there were some lambs which are born in the spring. But the Bible doesn't mention anything about lambs during the birth of Jesus, unless we're referring to Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And surprisingly, Bethlehem has December weather similar to Riverside. And I saw that they had a high of 76 back in 1971. And although uh, that was a long time ago, usually it's in the low 50s. 
but their weather could be just like the weather in the Inland Empire over here in Riverside. And my point that it's possible that Jesus could have been born on December 25th. But the real reason why early Christians came up with the date December 25th is not to cover up some pagan holiday, but because there was a belief amongst some Jews and early Christians that a prophet was conceived on the same day that the prophet died. And they believed that Jesus died on March 25th. And if you count nine months from March 25th, you get December 25th. And therefore, they believed Jesus was born on December 25th. And again, Sol Invictus was moved to December 5th around 200 years after Christians had already established this date. So all the evidence points to the fact that even if it seems silly, the way that they came up with this, the origins of Christmas came from the church. And there is no evidence that Christmas has pagan origins. So that's two claims down, and there's two to go. And the third claim is, what about Santa Claus? Well, I've heard everything from if you rearrange the letters in the word Santa, it spells Satan, to Santa is Krumpus, and he's Father Christmas, or Jesus wasn't a fat man in a suit, and every other Santa Claus claim out there. And the problem with the name spelling thing is this only works in English. It would be like saying God spelled backwards is dog. Therefore, when we worship God, we are worshiping dogs, although California, (laughs) where I live, there are definitely people who worship dogs out there. But anyways, the word Santa Claus derives from the Dutch name of St. Nicholas, which was St. Nicholas, which was shortened to Sinterklaas, which was later adapted in the United States as Santa Claus. How do you like my Dutch accent? It was terrible. And even the clothing of St. Nick was Dutch in origin. And St. Nicholas was actually the Bishop of Myra and attended the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., And church history tells this story of how, as there was a debate over the deity of Christ, you had this guy named Arius who was basically disrespecting Jesus, arguing that he wasn't God. And Nicholas got so offended that he walks up to Arius and he smacks him. And he was thrown in jail, but he was released because of the other bishops pleading on his behalf, and he wasn't allowed back in. But the moral of the story is don't end up on St. Nick's naughty list because, you know, you might get smacked. But anyways, St. Nicholas was also known as the guy who would secretly give gifts to poor children and families. And he was born into a rich family, and he essentially gave away his wealth. He actually had his own day, which was December 6th. But it was merged with Christmas to bring back the spirit of giving and to avoid what Christmas was becoming. Because it was becoming just another watered-down day to party, kind of like what is becoming today. So Christmas in and of itself... December 25th, and even Santa Claus is rooted in Christianity. And the last thing I want to address is the Christmas tree, because we have Christmas trees all over our campus. And I don't know how many times people say, why do you have that pagan tree up? Well, there are two reasons Christmas trees have come under attack by those who believe in this whole pagan roots thing. The first claim is it came from a pagan celebration like those of the cult called Asherah. In this claim, they would take a tree and decorate it as part of their pagan practices. And there are thousands of websites that claim this, but there is no scholarly sources that they point to. Matter of fact, there is no original source material that has actually documented this claim. It's like someone just said it, then someone took what they said, and they also said it. And then the next person said it, and the next person says it. And pretty soon, you have this circle of something where no one knows where the origin came from, kind of like how mainstream media reports news. There is actually no evidence to support that these and many other claims of Christmas trees being pagan came from some pagan practice. And the second thing is, what about Jeremiah 10, 2 through 4? This is the kind of got you 
moment for the pagan roots people. And let's read Jeremiah 10, 2 through 4. It says, Thus says the Lord, Do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the peoples are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of a workman, with an axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. Now, clearly, this is talking about a Christmas tree, right? But how could it be talking about a Christmas tree? This is actually called an anachronism. It's attributing a custom, event, or an object to a period it doesn't belong. It's reading our culture into the Bible. It would be like someone assuming that Elijah the prophet was picked up by a rocket ship because he left earth in a chariot of fire. And they're reading what the things today into the things of the past. And you can see the danger in that. So the first problem is there wasn't a Christmas tree or there wasn't even a celebration of Christmas. Matter of fact, Christ wasn't born until centuries later. So what is Jeremiah 10 talking about if it's not talking about a Christmas tree? And I love what Greg Kokel, who is a philosopher and apologist, and I first heard him say this. He said, never read a Bible verse, always read a Bible paragraph. So let's add verse 5 to verse 3 and 4. It says in verse 5, they are upright like a palm tree, and they cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor can they do any good. So this is clearly talking about chopping down trees and turning them into idols and worshiping them. See, context is everything. Matter of fact, the best explanation we have for Christmas trees is a legend that Martin Luther went out at night, looked up, saw a tree against the backdrop of stars, and was reminded of how Christ left heaven and came to earth as the light of the world. He then went into his home and put lights on a tree and explained his revelation to his children. Now, this is German legend. They had Christmas trees about 300 years before it was adapted to the rest of the world. And this is what they would tell you they got their Christmas trees from. And this is literally the most solid source we have of why we have Christmas trees. And later in the 1800s, there was a British royal family who had a German in their family who put Christmas trees in the house. And the art drawings of the royal family had these trees in a background and it popularized Christmas trees outside of Germany. You can actually trace this back. And trees are not inherently pagan anyways, and neither is it pagan to put them in a house. So if Christmas itself, the celebration of the birth of Christ, was started by early Christians, if Christmas Day, December 25th, was calculated by early Christians, if St. Nick was an early Christian, and if the Christmas tree came from a Christian, then we can conclude that Christmas does not have pagan origins, but instead it is rooted in early Christian tradition. But does that mean that you have to celebrate it? Absolutely not. There is no biblical mandate to celebrate Christmas. But now that we have the truth about Christmas, we are able to rejoice in that truth, and we no longer have to spread the lies of the internet. And if you're challenged today on these truths, you have two choices. You can either accept and enjoy Christmas or continue to condemn your brethren over the lies. And again, you do not have to celebrate Christmas. But to those who want to celebrate Christmas and enjoy the season, you can celebrate it unapologetically. And the real danger of Christmas, again, is when we remove its origins, when we forget about Christ, when it gets hijacked by the world. So the reality is, as believers, we need to keep Christ in Christmas. See, Advent was all about waiting on the arrival of Christ, the days leading up to the coming Savior. And we get to celebrate it. 
And if God made a big deal of the birth of Christ, we should too. And I want to encourage everyone to look into these things. And here's a few people who do a better job of me when it comes to this topic. And look up guys like Inspiring Philosopher or Mike Winger and definitely my friend Lenny Esposito because they all got great content on Christmas And they don't just read articles online, but they actually put in the work and have spent countless hours taking on this topic. And well, family, that's all I have time for this week's podcast. Until next time. And if you enjoy these podcasts and want to study with us, I want to encourage you to join a Harvest small group. And you can join our men's, women's, couples, or co-ed groups at harvest.church forward slash groups. Once again, you're listening to our Harvest Men of Valor podcast. This is Pastor Elijah. Merry Christmas. Have an unapologetic Christmas. 